I want to ask you today, what do you really want? Now, you, now you're looking at me. You're all focused on God now. I'm putting the focus back on you. Because once you focus on God, it opens up some ground to plow into for me. I'm not no, it's not my first day out. So when you begin to honor God and open your heart and speak of his holiness, holiness means he's other, he's separate, he's pure, he's holy. So what is it? Now what happens? When you begin to get out of yourself, you're breaking the pattern. Listen, you're breaking the pattern of mindset that you woke up with this morning. You're breaking the pattern. Oh, it's raining outside. Oh, God bless Rory and the worship team. It's raining outside. Oh, hallelujah. You know, because now you got to get people, you know, over the gloom, right? Over the but man, when you begin to spoke, focus on him and you begin to see how great and how beautiful and how loving and how marvelous he is, right at that moment, look at your neighbor and say, right at that moment, right now, all of a sudden what it does for you, it opens you up to set a standard for your day. It opens you up to receive clarity about who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you and the plan he has for your life. And I'm going to ask you again today, what do you really want? If, if I ask you, you said, well, maybe what do I want out today or out of this service? No, no. I want to know what you really want out of your life, out of being on this planet, planet, out of your existence. At the end of the day, if you were doing the rocket chair test, I've done it a couple times here for you, and you're 90 years old and you're sitting on the front porch on a beautiful day and you got a rocket chair and as you're rocking, all of a sudden, some things that come, go, ugh, oh, I should have done that. Oh, man, I always wanted to do it. I never did that. I, oh, it would have been great if I could have. Yeah, I wanted, and then everything should go, yeah, okay, that was good. Yes, thank you, Lord. And I want to ask you, if you were sitting in that rocking chair today, what, what would be some of the things that you go, oh, man, I, I'm bummed that I didn't do that because I, I, I'm 90, I can't get it done now. Or what are some of those things you go, that's a home run. That's what I dreamed for. That's what I really wanted. And then as you begin to think about that today, as you're worshiping your Father, think about it. What's the gap? What's the gap on that? What's the gap? You, you, you guys can go and be seated because I, I, I'm getting into this week today. Come on, give Jesus a shout, though, before you sit down. He's worthy. Hey, I'll make you stay and then... We'll do, I'm going to do a little exercise here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I said good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I don't know. I don't know if you came ready for me, but Dalton came ready for you. Hallelujah. I don't think the microphone's ready for me. Give me a little more light if we can up here. We got a dead spot or two because I'm going to be roaming around the people today. Yeah, let there be almost light right there. I, I know we can do it. Praise God. So we've been talking to you about, uh, about closing the gap. Gaps in your life. Gaps in areas that, 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 you know, you need to set strategy for. You need to set your standards for. That, that you really want to walk in. And you really want to flow in. And, and today, man, what I want to get into you. Well, first of all, let me hit this before I get into what I want to do today. I want to just bring you up to pace if you were out last week a holiday or a week or two before that when God really dropped this series in my spirit because you know he told me this summer is a summer of action a summer of activating you know we came into this year and the whole year is about us we turn what our focus on God he's going to download or out or or outpour give an outpouring on us right to that we can see him and know him like never before feel his presence and, and operate in a whole nother level of his presence like never before. And then what God told me is as we come into this summer, he said, he said this is going to be a summer of activation because every season change in the natural, I pray and seek God about what's the season change or what season are we supposed to be in as a church during this time. And God said this is a summer of activation, a summer of activation. You see, you, you can know a lot of the things you need to do. You can know a lot of things you need to accomplish and all that. But the key is, if you don't put action to it, it it's not going to happen. And my goal is, as we end in this summer, this series has been to stir you up so that you can accomplish the things God put in your heart to accomplish. 
Because every one of you are just like me. We're very unique. None of us are the same. We're similar, but none of us are exactly the same. We're unique. And the way we operate toward God, the things that God made us and created us to do and to accomplish and to be a part of is very unique to each one. There's only one you. Now, we talked about closing the gap coming in about the last month and a half. We've been talking about closing the gap, and it all comes down to what do you really want. Now, we started, if we want to know what we really want, we want to close the gap and accomplish it. I gave you three beliefs about three or four weeks ago. Does anybody remember what the first belief that you have to have? First of all, what is a belief? Anybody remember? Anybody on the count of three, if you remember what a belief is, tell me. A belief is what? A feeling. Oh, that's two of us. I'm going to give you all another chance on the count of three, because if not, I'll have you stand up and say it. You're you going to say it sitting there, you stand up, because I'm a participating preacher. You know, I'm not sleeping right now, so I know it's raining out. Whoopity-doo. Amen. Be thankful you got a cover over your head. Now, what does belief mean? What is a belief on the count of three? One, two, three. It's a Yeah. One more time. One, two, three. Yes. So whenever we come to a place, whatever it is in your life, whether it's been modeled to you in a good way or a bad way, whether you got it through the word of God or got it through religion or through a college or through an institution, whether it's your career, your family, your relationships, your health, your finances, we all have a belief system. And a belief system, what is a belief? You got to understand what a belief is. A belief is a feeling of certainty. A feeling. It's an emotion of certainty, faith or certainty about what something means. So if I'm walking on a path with you and you're walking on a path and we see a snake there, Michael Todd Avery, see, I got it. And we see a snake there, right, 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 right. see there. Now, now she told me a story that occasionally she still messes it up. Are you getting better? That's about a month ago. Are you getting better with the Michael thing? You are, yeah. Right. You know the Lord knows all things. I'm just, hey Sam, how doing So, so if we were walking along a path and a big, a big copperhead was there, you know, to me, I see it and maybe it scares me and I run off or maybe I'm like, oh man, that's a cool snake, but I'm safe. And you might, ah, whatever. But what we feel that means to each one of us is different to an extent. But whatever it is, it's certain to you and it's certain to me. So whether it's you grew up in a situation of family and, and, and maybe the, your parents or whoever, there's a, a horrible marriage, a horrible situation and ended in a tragic divorce. And so you can easily get in your mind that, you know, love is good to a point, but if, even if I get married, marriage doesn't last forever. Why? Because that's what's modeled to you. Now, you can change that. Many of you have. You can break those patterns. Those patterns are based on the core values you have, the belief system you have. And, and what happens is what you believe you're going to feel. You see, I talked to you a couple weeks ago about what moment, momentum is. Remember, number one, momentum is what? Moving forward with energy. So if I take a ball and I throw a ball, a football or a baseball or whatever, what is it? Forward motion with energy. It releases energy. Now, here's what drives you and I. You can't even be spiritual without understanding what human momentum is. What's human momentum? Human momentum is this. It is moving forward with emotion. See, that's worth you coming, but you didn't get it. Well, I want a revelation. Well, you, you're not going to get a revelation if your emotions are not right because you won't focus. You won't have energy to even dive into the matter. But whenever you understand that human momentum is what? Moving forward with emotion. Because everything you and I deal with spiritually starts in the natural. If I don't get this natural right, I'm not going to tap into the spiritual. And if I'm going to move naturally or spiritually or both is what we should be doing, then i got to understand what gives me momentum. What gives me momentum is my thought life, what I focus on, what I believe, and, and what I give attention to. If I give attention to how I was embarrassed in the sixth grade, or if I give attention to the two people in my life that betrayed me and forget the other 150 that were great to me, I'm going to have an emotional negative momentum, right? I'm going to be down about it. But if I switch, you, you ever had a really bad headache 
and you've been, you maybe taking an Advil all day or whatever, and you just got this awful headache, and all of a sudden, somebody, your family or your friend, they do something stupid, and, and you just start laughing, and then about 10 minutes later, you realize the headache's gone. Or maybe you're driving down the road and something happens and you get scared and you're like, oh goodness, that could have been an accident. And 30 minutes later, you go, wait a minute, I don't have a headache. It changed your focus. So you can take all the medication you want for depression, you know, but but here's the key. If you don't change what you focus on, they just will give you more medicine because it ain't going to matter. All they're doing is giving you medication. You know, we call it chemical imbalance. Yeah, your chemicals are imbalanced because your focus is wrong and your focus is wrong because you're walking in a chemically low atmosphere. Your kinetic energy, all that God made you to be is on an emotional low and therefore you're dragging along. But what happens is when you tap in and switch the pattern and you begin to put your attention on what Philippians 4 says, think on these good things, everything that is good and merciful and peaceful and hopeful and faith and brings joy and brings happiness, all of a sudden the momentum of that emotion takes place and it overrides the depression. So I talked to you about three beliefs. If you want to close the gaps in your life and accomplish what God wants you to accomplish and to know your purpose and know your passion, you got to have these three beliefs. Anybody remember what? On the count of three, tell me what the first belief is. Shout it out. One, two, three. That's good. Now, all of you in the middle and the back, I'll have nobody up on the first three rows say anything. I want everybody in the middle and the back tell me on the count of three what the first belief is. One, two, three. Now, I don't want anybody in the front and middle. I want everybody on the back third all the way across. I want you to shout this out. Now, you've already had two good clues, right? Right? So, on the count of three, I want you to shout, what's the first belief? Third to the back, right? One, two, three. Now, 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 let me shock you. This is not a ball game where we do the wave. Now, front, center, and back there, there, there. Right? You, all three at one time is going to say what the first belief is, and, and you'll feel a difference in the room. One, two, three. Now, give yourself a big shout. Come on now. So, so. Hey, I don't even do funerals and let people sit around and moan. If you've ever been to a funeral I do, dude, I, I'm energy. I, I'm not going to let people. I mean, they can cry and grieve, and I'm there for them, but I'm also there to give them strength and give them faith, right? Because they need it like I need it if I'm sitting on that front row. And, and some of you, I just don't want you to be come to church and leave here like you just attended a funeral and didn't get any help. I want you to take it, activate it, change your life for God. Now, now, so the first belief, anybody remember? So the first belief is, is what? This, this, not could, should, or would, this must change now. So it could be your health. It could be your marriage. It could be the relationship with your kids. It could be your finances. It could be your prayer life. It could be healing you need in your body. It could be your financial situation, your retirement, whatever. This, when you get to a point where it's not, this would be great if it changed. This could or should, no. This, what? 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 Now, when you get to a must, something's getting ready to happen. But it can stop there. When you have the first belief, though, this must change now. Anybody remember the second belief? Let's do all three sections. One, two, three. Oh, that's pretty good. Now let's take it about five levels higher. One, two, three. Yeah, good. Come on. Give God a shout for that. I think Jesus liked that. I really do. What is it? First is this must change now. What am I doing when I say, I must change this now? You know what I'm doing? I'm changing, I'm changing what my role is in it. You see, it's easy to say it'd be great if the church was a little bit on fire, but you're dead. It'd be great if the worship was great and you can't carry a tune in a bucket. It, you know, it'd be great if that preacher could preach and you hadn't read a Bible in three years. It'd be great if this place, you know, had more lighting and better sound, but you haven't given more than $10 in six months. Oh, look your neighbor and say, quiet in here. Yeah, 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 because I'm not nervous. <laughs> I've done this for 30 years, so I'm not nervous. So, so, so what are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is when you get your beliefs right, then you can take ownership because it's easy to not take responsibility for my health. 
It's easy not to take responsibility for the condition because I'm living my life according to my conditions. You know, you can have someone that was abused as a child multiple times and they could come out of that situation and their life spirals and they have a short life and it's so sad and broken. But you can have someone else come out of that. Wow, I don't know what happened there, but that's different. So, so you can have someone else in the same situation and they could come through that situation and they become this amazing shining light bringing healing to others. And tra- They were both in a horrible, tragic, abusive situation. But the key is what meaning did they give to And did they take responsibility? So this must change now. And then it says, then I must change this now. What's that saying? Maybe you need a new strategy. Maybe the strategy you've been working to be happy isn't working and you need to change it. How do I get a new strategy? Well, number one, Jesus is our model. The word is our model. There's other good models to find out how to walk in joy and strength and happiness and spiritual strength. So, So maybe your story is not right. Maybe all you talk about is what you haven't done or where you missed it or where someone blew it or someone cheated you or cheated on you, stole your dog and their truck's parked in your, you know, your wife's driveway. I don't know what it is, and I'm not making little of that. I'm just saying it can be the stone that's ahead of your grave or it could be a stepping stone to the greatness God called you to be. That's, that's all I'm saying. So then what's the story? Are you always talking about how it would have been if this hadn't happened? And then the third one is your state. That's what I'm talking about, your emotional energy. That, man, I can't walk in faith if I can't tap into it. I'm not going to believe that something God said is true if I'm depressed, right? I got to what? I got to begin to change my state and focus on the Word of God. And that greater is he who's in me than he who's in this world. The begin to focus on what is good and precious and loving and peaceful. And it's, uh, so, so when I change my focus. And then when we get into changing your strategy, your story, and your state, then you can do something. Give, give me the third belief on the count of three, front to back. What's the third belief? One, two, three. One, two, three. So we went from identifying something needed change to number two saying, I got to change. Maybe it's my strategy, my story, my faith, my state. Two, I can change this now. Now, where do we get that from? Right. Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things. Now, now let's stop right there. Isn't that what God said? Isn't that what Paul said? He had a revelation of his identity. I can do all things. Then, through Christ who strengthens me. He didn't say, if Christ strengthens me, I can do all things. See, you got to come to a realization in your life with God, being a son or daughter of God, all things are possible to who? Them that believe. Them that have a feeling of certainty about what they believe. Them that not only have head knowledge, but feel it in your spirit. Feel it in your mind. Feel it in your soul. Feel it in your... Man, man, when I walk around, if I'm in faith, would I look like I was in faith if I come in here today like this and said, well, it's raining outside. I think I'll just get close to you and, you know, hope you bless me. I studied, but I just don't know how it's going to turn out. But we'll take 30 minutes and see what happens. Uh, Praise God. Would you think I was walking in faith? Well, everybody else must because four people said no. Would you think I was walking in faith? No. Of course not. Why? You could tell. You wouldn't even have to have spiritual discernment. If someone's walking like this, they're not walking in confidence. They're walking like this. They're walking, you know. Even sometimes you just got to fake it. Just let the devil know. I'm not letting you get me down. Look, look, look. So we got, this must change now. I must change now. And I can. So I can do what? I can do what? Through who? Christ. Who does what? Didn't say Christ who does it for me. Christ is not your mama. He's your Lord, your God, your elder brother, your friend that sticks closer than a brother. But your friend shouldn't have to do your work for you either. You have to do the work. That's hot. Because it's easy to say for me, when I sow the seed and I come to church every week, but I still battle this. Well, honey, you ain't battling nothing. You whooped. 
You down and out for the count. They already poured water on you, dragging you to the dressing room. You walked. But if you start getting some life in you, and you start giving God something to work with, he can strengthen. You know, if you see a hand in a glove, the glove, you see the glove, well, the glove's got movement stuff, but it's because the hand's in it. The hand of God is in you, but if you don't give him something to work with, he can't work. So we went through that, and then what did we do? Then we did uh, the wheel exercise. How many of y'all enjoyed the wheel exercise? So then we did the wheel exercise, and if you weren't here, that was a cool thing where there was, uh, where you were at a level one or a 10, going out like different things, where it's your family, your health, you know, your walk with God, your finances, whatever it is, your career. And it's like a wagon wheel going out, one to 10 from the middle spoke to the end. So you, if you were at a five with your spouse and relationship, you were at a eight in your finances, you were at a three in, in your health or so, and you go around, now that became the standard you're living by. And if that wheel rode down the road and you redrew those lines, it'd go down the road like because it wouldn't have balance. But when we start challenging ourselves to raise the standard in each area of our life, that's when we have breakthrough. That's when we walk in the miracle power of God, who he called us to be. So we did the wheel exercise, and that was to determine where am I from a one to 10 of what I really want, what I really want to be, and then begin to put a strategy, a story, and a state together to get beyond that. Then we went into three steps to close those, because you recognize the gaps. Now we went into three steps to close the gap. And, uh, and we went through those three steps. I talked to you about number one, what? Get leverage. I called it my big stick, right? Pastor Mark lifted the bricks, the pallet of bricks with a jack last week. What is it? That's leverage. Leverage is your passion. So if I can find things I'm passionate about, it gives me emotional energy, hunger, fire to get deep spiritual. And then when I get emotional and spiritual faith going, look out, devil, he doesn't have a chance. Creativity, strength, power, you know, the will to accomplish and do. All those things go to a whole, whole another level. So uh, the second thing that helps me close the gap not only is leverage my big stick, but what is to identify and destroy the old broken patterns of thinking. So I, I got to begin to identify and be real and true with myself where I'm at in my health, where I'm at in my emotional health, where I'm at in my spiritual walk, where I'm at in my relationships with the people I love, where I'm at in ministry, career, whatever it is. So I got to identify where I'm at, and then I got to put a strategy together to begin to break that and take action and use those three beliefs to do it. And then the third step I gave you to close the gap was establish a new uh, empowering way of thinking. Because remember, you know, stinking thinking, stinking life, right? So we're created, whatever we look at, we're receiving. Whatever we listen to, we're receiving. Whatever we're feeling, we're receiving. What's happening is whenever something you see, hear, smell, feel, whatever, goes into your brain and it processes it and it affects your neurological system, which starts with your emotions, how you feel about it, so on, then eventually it even affects your, your spiritual life. So what's that doing? That, that's telling a story about where I am and where I'm heading. And if you're not heading the right direction, you need to break those patterns. You need to change your focus because where your focus goes, your energy flows. If I focus on depressing things, I'm going to flow in depression. If I focus on strong faith things, I'm going to flow in a walk of faith. If I, if I focus on sickness and pain, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flow in pain and sickness. But if I focus in the God's divine healing, His faith to deliver me and set me free, I'm going to walk a life of healing, freedom, and faith in God. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Now, what scripture I give you was Romans 12 too, Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now, here's what I want to do. I want You got a sheet of paper there, I think, they gave you. And I want to take a moment to set you up for a little exercise, and then I'm going to give you a spiritual contrast with David and Saul here in a few moments. And uh, But I, I want you to participate. You can do this on your phone or in your journal, or you can do it on the paper we've handed out. But what I want to talk to you about is a little exercise I'm going to have you to do. And um, in that... 
it really deals with our beliefs that we can that we can identify some of the action steps that we need to set new standards because if I don't raise my standard I can't raise my life so if I want to find out number one what I really want with my life that becomes the ultimate standard but I'm living some standard between that and there my goal is to get to what I really want the only way I'm going to get to what I really want is to leverage who I am in Christ and what he wants me to do in me and activate that and begin to what put a plan a strategy and start to close the gap to get to that place that I want to be. So the quality of your life, listen, the quality of your life is controlled by the quality of your standards. So if your standard is a medium health life, you know, a a below average health life, then that's your standard. So if, if, if your marriage is on the rocks, then that's your standard for marriage. No, but I want it to be this. Well, you're living in that standard. And you can't change he or she until you change me. Right? So if your standard is payday to payday, living financially payday to payday, if that's what you're doing, that's what your standard is. But now if your standard is to live debt-free and big, big contributor to God and to hurting and to broken people, that's a great standard to have. But you've got to come to realization, where are you at right now? Where are you at right now? See, you can't be a receiver till you're a giver. Because it's a kingdom of sowing and reaping, whether that's love, a handshake, money, whatever it is. So if we're going to raise our standards, we're going to raise our life. So we got to determine what our standards are. So if we're going to set new standards, what are new standards? It's like from one to 10, here's 10, what I really want in my number one standard that I want to live. Then maybe I'm at a five. So in the next six months, I want to get to an eight or whatever that is in that standard. Well, then that's what I'm going to hopefully live up to. So here, here's the key to it. I'm going to give you this little simple exercise, and I, and I really want you to focus on it because to set a new standard, we first got to do what? We got to determine what we really want. Well, you know, pastor, what I really want is more money because I got college debts to pay. I got doctor's bills to pay. I want more money. You want more money. Okay. And I say, okay, I got a billionaire here. Go on over there, Bill, and take care. She said what she want, Pastor Dalton. She wants more money. Okay. And he gives her a dollar bill. Well, what can I do with a dollar? You didn't say how much money. You weren't specific. You said more money. Now you got one dollar more than you had five minutes ago. And that's how most Christians live their life. I want a better marriage. Well, what's better? What's, your spouse might be thinking it's a lot better than what you think it is because their standard's different than yours. But if you don't get clear what a great marriage is, then how are you going to have a great marriage? Well, I want to be healthy and strong. Well, that may just be I don't die before I'm 50 to some people or 60. Or I'll just chug along in my 70s, barely getting around. Or it could be I'm vibrant, strong, and accomplishing things for my family and for God when I'm 80. See, what do, not what you think about, dream about, what do you really want? Until you determine that, you'll walk in this vacuum called life until life's ended. Or you can get what you really want because God put those passions in your heart. So you're going to answer four questions and it's going to help you detect what you really want if you'll truly participate with me. And then I'm going to show you through the life of David and Saul how it affected them. So as we get ready to go here, here's what I want to do. So get pen in hand, paper in hand, get your, uh, get your uh, phone, whatever you want to type this on. Here's the first question. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I mean, I'm going to give you 60 seconds, maybe 90, but probably 60. Depends on how long I talk to you. But 60 to 90 seconds to write it down. I don't want you to think about it. You might have to write four or five stupid things to get to one good thing. That's not what this is about. This is about dumping it out, dumping it out. Now, if we were in a place that had more time, we could get you in a different mood and do all that, but we don't have that time. Pastor Seth said give him 90 seconds, so 90 seconds you shall have. Yeah, I say, I'm not a stupid man. I'm, you learning about this? Because your day's coming here. How many, how many days? 39. 39? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I know, I know what I'm talking about. 
I love you too. And I love you and you and you. If you're not a little older like me, you wouldn't know what that meant. What's the first question? What do you love? What do you love? Right, that's right, what I love. Man, I love reading a book alone by myself with no one around. I love cool walks in the afternoon. I love the ocean. I love the Holy Spirit. I love my spouse. I love my kids. Yeah, multiple, not one. I want you to get as many as you can get down. That's the goal. Dump them out, dump them out. Multiple things. Man, I, I love sports. I love UK winning last night. Yeah. 31 years, done. Bro, you're talking about breaking a pattern, brother. That's a pattern right there. Shows you the power of a pattern. It even affected people that weren't there before, right? So anyway, so look at this. So, so we got about another 20 seconds here. So what is it that you love? What do you love? I love achievement. I, I love accomplishing things. I, I, I love being, growing my finances to help others. I love contributing to people. I love serving God and serving others. Okay, five seconds. Now what I want, what? You can't think. I can't allow you to do that now. That's, you got to dump it out. So, so now, right here's what I want you to do. Now, I want you to take it, go to the person beside you, and, and just share with them real quick. Take each one of you, take, take 30 seconds here, and I want you to share with the person next to you what you really love, and then let them share it. One, two, three, go. Share it real quick, real quick. What do you love? What do you love? What do you love? What do you love? So you'll do the second question if you didn't do the first one because you'll feel done. What do you really love? What do you really love? What is it? What is it? All right, good. Stand up and shout Jesus real quick. One, two, three. Shout Jesus! All right, all right. Sit back down. Here's your second question. Here's your second question. Here's your second question. What do I hate? 90 seconds per pastor step. 90 seconds. She tried to get 10 more seconds, but 90 seconds. What do you hate? Man, I, I hate uh, I hate the attitude. Not I don't hate people, but I hate the attitude and behavior when people come against my God. Man, I, I, I hate disunity. Oh, man, I, I hate sickness and disease and what it does to people. I, I hate poverty and I hate racism. And, man, I... I hate when it rains at an inconvenient time. See, Steph's trying to get out of this. She's showing me her clock. You better be writing, girl. I'm just saying. Now, so, 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 because somebody's going to ask you what you hate here. You better not say Dalton. That's all I'm saying. So, so anyway, what do you hate? I, I, I hate vomiting. <laughs> I, I hate failing at a goal I said. I, I hate when I don't live up to my standards for God. I, I hate when I just kind of live mediocre in a certain area of my life. I, I hate when people judge me or, or lie about me. I, I hate it when, when that happens to me. What do you hate? 20 more seconds. What do you hate? What do you hate? Now, each one of these questions are going to help you find what you really want. Each one, as you do this, you're, you're just dumping right now. Five seconds. Five seconds. Amen. All right. All right. People still writing. That's good. That's right. I'm going to give you 10 more seconds just because you're still writing. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Okay. Now, on count three, get to the person beside you. Tell them what you hate. Listen to what they hate. One, two, three. Come on. Tell them what you hate. Tell them what you hate. Come on. Be in church. You might be able to trust them. Good chance of it. You may not, but try. Don't say you hate them. That wouldn't be good. What do you hate? What do you hate? What do you hate? Now let, let, let Charlton tell you what he hates. Let, let him. Do you already tell her what you hate? You already did it? Good job. That's good, man. That's good. All right. All right. Five seconds. Tell him what you hate. See, 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 if you don't have good communication in your marriage and you're not participating in that, that could be a hint. Just say it. All right. All right. On count three, stand up and say Jesus one more time. One, two, three. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Say it like you, I mean, if Jesus was like, 
he'd be like, huh, was that a, what was that? One, two, three. All right, all right, it's good. Now let me give you this question. It's an important question. Third question. Now, what you're going to start doing is putting these together. You're going to be able to go back and look. This, these first two questions will help you get clearer on your third question. But don't overthink it. But you can look at some things and, and determine. So the third question is, what am I passionate about? What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? So if I go over here and say, I hate poverty. I hate living payday to payday. Then maybe I should be passionate about being, getting, I'm passionate about getting new strategies and, and building up a financial base that I can bring security to those I love, that I could be a contributor to the kingdom of God like I never dreamt I could be before. I could give money to transform our school system or, or to feed the hungry, you know, or, or you could take, you know, that, uh, that, you know, man, I hate, uh, I hate gossip and lying and backbiting and judgment and judgmental accusations toward me. So then what you're passionate about is, man, I want to bring, I want to bring strength. I want to bring integrity. I am passionate about living an honest, integrous life full of joy and peace and grace, not only for me, but grace for others. So the things I hate gives me a good clue of what I'm passionate about. The things I love give me a good clue about what I'm passionate about. So you got about, what, 30 more seconds on what you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? 20 more seconds. What are you passionate about? It's good. It's good. Five more seconds. What are you passionate about? Now on the count of three, get to the person next to you and talk about it. One, two, three. Man, let them know what you're passionate about. They might be able to help you with your passion. You never know. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? It's good. It's good. Okay. Okay. So now, now, is this helping anybody? You, is this helping? On count three, stand up and say, Jesus! One, two, three. Man, you're getting good at that. Come on now. Now, here's your fourth question. Here's, here, this is critical to you. Your fourth question. So we did the first three to start getting us in a strategy to find out what this fourth one is. Fourth question. What do you really want? You don't just want more of something. What do you exactly want? You just don't want a better marriage. You want a marriage that's loving and giving and graceful, a marriage of joy and peace and provision, a marriage of sacrifice, but a marriage of love and a marriage that's... What do you really want? I want a better relationship with my kids. No, what, what, what? I want to be able to spend a week at a time with my adult children. I want to I want to just be able to go on vacation with them and spend time with them. I want to I want to be involved in their life, but I also want them involved in my life. What is it you what you really want? So when you get up in those topics in your life of what's most important, what you really want, when you get specific up there. Now while you're writing this, I'm going to talk to you because we naturally go we are created to avoid pain and to seek pleasure, right? We want to avoid pain and seek pleasure. Everybody does. Now, so what happens is when you start seeing those goals, it's not just having a greater spiritual walk with God. It's what will that walk produce? What joy will it bring? What fun and freedom will it bring? How will it help others? How will it grow the kingdom? So what I'm doing is, what am I doing? When I put those things up there, it's really giving me what I really want. And you need to, when you start doing your leverage for that, your one through 10 thing, what you need to do is on the way some markers, it might be, I want to increase our, our family's income by, you know, $1,000 a month. And maybe you're on your way to do it. And you say, oh, by the way, to do that, after the fourth month I do that, I'm going to spend $1,000 on new golf clubs. Mama won't care because you just increased the family's income 3000 for the year. She'll let you spend 1000 See what I mean? Short-term pleasure, but long-term goal. Be debt-free. Finance the kingdom. Finance my family. Help hurting and broken people. What do you really want? Okay. Now you got about 10 seconds, and we're going to talk to somebody. What do you really want? One, two, 
three. Tell the person next to you what you really want. Come on, tell them what you really want. Don't hold back. What do you really want? What do you really want? What do you really want? You're never too young or you're never too old, man. You got to determine what do you really want? You, you weren't put on this earth coast. God's got plans for you. What do you really want? Okay. Have you let the other person talk yet or you done all the talking? Now it's their turn. Let them, let them tell you what they really want now. What do they really want? What do they really want? What do they really want? It's good. I hear a lot of talking. I hear a lot of talking. It's good. In 10 seconds, we're going to jump up and shout Jesus again. Say, well, I don't know. Why don't we just jump it up and shout? Well, jumping up is to keep you awake and moving. Jesus, we just want to glorify him. It's real simple. It's a two-step process. Three, two, one. Sit back down. All of y'all, this time, everybody that didn't jump up, only you get up. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, all of us get up on the count of three and say, Jesus. One, two, three. All right, all right. Give God a big shout. Come on, give God a big shout. Now let me tie in kind of an opening to the message I'm going to preach to you next week. Because this sets us up good. And then next week, I'm going to give you some key essentials. That, that you're going to need uh, three essentials to setting these standards for your life. But today I'm just going to give you the opening and we're going to talk about two people you know real well. So if I'm going to raise the standard of my life versus my spiritual walk, physical, financial, whatever relationships, what I got to do is number one, I got to take responsibility and realize it's up to me to choose. God made you a free will moral agent. God created you in his image and likeness. You have the power to choose. The greatest gift he gave you was the power to choose. You can choose life or death, happiness or sadness, uh, peace or war. How many of you believe that war really starts because of a strategy? You know why wars really happen? Over emotions. People get ticked off at one another for whatever reason. It could be wrong reasons or right reasons. And they get so frustrated and they get so emotional, then they put a strategy for war together. Right. And then they act on it. That's right. Right? Anything you deal with in this life is going to start with your human momentum. I'm just saying. So as we look at this, it's up to us to make the decision to raise our standards in our life. Now, to set correct standards, what? We got to be clear about what we want. Raise our standards, raise our life. So as we look at this biblical illustration, I'm going to kick off this week is with King Saul and King David. So as we look at it and get into this, this, this situation here, uh, Saul had bad patterns in his life, right? He had bad patterns in his life to the point that God removed him from being king. David had good patterns and then he got into a few bad patterns and but he chose to break those patterns. Paul didn't uh, Saul didn't repent, David repented and God helped him. So there's always hope. The only way your history affects you is if you stay there. It's the only way your history affects you. You can learn from your history, grow from your history or you can live or die in your history. But the only thing that's going to propel you is living in your future. That's what faith is, the substance hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen in this realm, but you can see it through the Spirit. Listen, you have an unfair advantage. You're a child of God. You have an unfair advantage. You have the Holy Spirit, all-knowing, all-seeing, same God as yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus living inside you right now. So you have an unfair advantage. So we should be at a whole nother level than unbelievers, right? Whole nother level. So what else they have in common is this. Both kings reigned over God's kingdom for 40 years. Isn't that interesting? Both of them, King Saul, King David, both reigned for 40 years. But even though they reigned over God's kingdom for 40 years, the same people, get this, they were totally different. See, every one of you are unique. Every one of you, you'll never agree with everything I do with this church. 
Just like I'd never agree with anything you did with this church. We're all unique. And it depends on who God sets in that position to trust and to follow what it is and the vision they have. Same way with your family and other things. Now, the reason, the other thing about them being unique and the reason they didn't run the kingdoms and have the same outcomes, why was that? Their standards were different. See, your standards come from your core values. Your standards come from what you really believe. Your standards come from what? What I really believe. They come from the feeling of certainty that I have about what holiness means. They come from the feeling of certainty I have about what faith or healing means. They come from the feeling of certainty about what love, true love is. See, what my core values are where my standards come from. And I've changed my standards many times in my life and take them to another level because the more I learn, the more I know, the closer I get with God, where he became more than just Lord and Savior, but now he's daddy, he's Abba to me. He's a friend and he's daddy. Yes, he's Lord. Yes, he's King of Kings and my Savior. But now I know it. What I, my standard kept changing because I got more revealed to me, not from God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but from me growing. And advancing. So let's start off with David here. We'll go to Acts 13. And um, we come up on a situation here. In, I mean, I'm sorry. Not, yeah, well, Acts 13. See what God said about David. So it said, Then the people asked God for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. Now let us, God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought Israel, the Savior Jesus, as he has promised. Now let's look at Saul, 1 Chronicles 10, 13. We'll get into this more next week. I'm just setting you up. So Saul died, died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a witch or a medium seeking guidance. Now what's crazy here is David, a man after God's own heart, and God said, he'll do everything I ask him to do. The only thing is David did some things God didn't ask him to do. Like one with Bathsheba, we'll get into that here in a minute. But, well, I'll save it because that's good stuff. We're going to hit that. So now... We got to ask ourselves, we see how David ended. The lineage of Jesus came through David, right? And we knew that he committed adultery. He even committed murder. He did some things he shouldn't do. But because of his repentance and his heart, what when he repented and his heart changed, he, things were corrected. But Saul was rebellious toward God. And Samuel said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It was easier for a man to overcoming being an adulterer and a murderer than to overcome rebellion. Because you could commit murder out of passion, out of fear, commit adultery for multiple different reasons. But to stay in rebellion means you're walking in unity day after day with witchcraft. Say, that's hot, preacher. That's hot, preacher. Well, I'm just a little upset with leadership. Well, before long, it'll be a lot, and you won't agree, and you'll walk away, and whoever you model for will walk away with you, and you'll go somewhere else and be rebellious there, and before long, you'll walk away from there, and they'll walk away and some other people. Other people will figure you out and stay there because they're not walking with you again, but there'll be some new people walk with you because you influence them. So, so we see that. So look here now. So it gets back to their standards, right? What did David really want? Well, David wanted the heart of God. David wanted to please God. David wanted to honor God. David wanted to serve people and protect people and grow God's kingdom. And he wanted to worship and he wanted to honor and he wanted to write and sing and share and prophesy. He wanted all these amazing things. So that came from the values of his heart. So you can want a lot of stuff, but you got to do a heart check. Okay? Because out of the heart speaks the abundance of life. Out of the abundance of the heart. Thank you, Pastor. Out of the abundance of the heart speaks 
the mouth speaks. And the mouth, out of the tongue, what comes life or death? We speak life or death over situations, over our stuff. So what did Saul really want? Saul wanted God's position. Saul wanted to be known. Saul, Saul wanted it his way. When he got clear, direct orders from God, what to do when he went out to battle, he, he didn't only not do it, he lied and still partially just did it. And that's when God cut him off. Now, he didn't take him out of his kingdom right then. He just cut him off right there. And you say, how cruel. He didn't really cut Saul off. He said, I've removed him as king because he already knew down the road Saul wouldn't repent. Remember, he's the same yesterday and day and forever. Time is just a gift he gives you. It's nothing to God. He's Alpha and Omega, right? So, so what are you saying, preacher? Their values were different. Their standards were different. And therefore, you live life according to your standards. If my standards is, oh man, you know, I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to be like Miss Gwen. And you start off a few Friday nights with her or whatever. And then after a while you fizzle or you come in here a few Saturdays at noon and pray with her and her team and you fizzle out. Then maybe you think you want that, but do you really want it? Because if you really wanted it, it would become a must for you. And you would change to do the must. You'd change your time, your schedule, your priorities. And you'd realize you could do it and you'd do it. It's a choice. Your standard is a choice. Your standards are choices. And out of the issues of heart flow life, right? And so they had different standards. Now... If you want a cool exercise, just go through First and Second Samuel, and while you're reading, just ask those questions while you're reading about Saul and David. You know, what, what do you love? What do you hate? What are you passionate about? What do you really want? It'll blow you away when you just go through there and just wrap that on the side every time you see it. So when we look at it, we got to determine what do we really want. Okay, so I'm running late, so I, uh, I want to get into these three essentials to setting the standard because I'm going to go through their lives, but I, but I can't do that right now. I can't do that, but I, I do want to give you this thought. Momentum is so critical in your life. Momentum is so critical in your life. You, you know, we call it a rut. We get in ruts. It can be good ruts and bad ruts, but momentum is so critical. And when you think about David and all the great things he did for God, and in 2 Samuel, I think it is, 2 Samuel, I'm going to get there next week, but I'm going to give you a little touch on it. Uh, whenever he, in chapter 10, he had just had some of the greatest victories, just blow your mind away, the things he and his mighty men and women did and solidified the country and brought north and south. Israel back together and all that. Then in chapter 11, it said when kings, chapter 11, verse 1, it says when kings, at the time when kings go out to battle, in the spring, I think it was, David stayed behind and sent Joab to lead the armies. Wait a minute. He just came off these amazing victory after victory. He killed in the last battle uh, 7,000 chariot riders and 40,000 men he slayed, he and his, his, his army. He had to bring all of Israel out to fight. They just brought massive armies, three different nations coming. He wipes them out. They don't want nothing to do with him. He's, he's tough. Now it's gravy. Now it's just go out and fight battles and take what you need for the kingdom and all that to get the, the stuff you need to grow God's kingdom and to grow their, their kingdom. So now he's got a big palace with hundreds of concubines, hundreds of wives and wealthy and famous and well thought of. Joab's a good warrior. Joab, you go on out and take care of this one, buddy. What'd he do? He made a choice. You see, momentum is not caused by conditions. Momentum happens through choice, through decisions. And he made a decision to be out of his purpose. Because when you find out what you're passionate about and what you really want, you know what your purpose is. And what he did, he made a decision and it wasn't like he did this three times in one year. It was the very first time he did it. And he made a decision not to walk in his purpose as the king of Israel, that God made him his king. And even secular kings were doing it. 
But David didn't do it. And what did he do? They're all out fighting and winning battles. And he walks up on the rooftop and he sees a beautiful woman bathing. And you know the story. He, what, calls, gets, gets his guys, gets over. They have an affair, have a child. And they tries to cover it up by sending her husband to the front line. And he's killed. And then David was called out on it. And the difference between David and Saul, David said, I'd kill that man. Do whatever you got to do. And Nathan, the prophet, says, you, David. And David said, so be it. And then God showed mercy because David admitted the pain and how wrong it was. And he truly had repented even to the point of dying. Yes. And God, now he still has sorrow in his life because of that. Yes. You see, you can say, well, God's grace is I can sin and it's goosey, gracey, greasy, gracey. Let, baby, you can go sin and rob all the banks you want to, but you go to prison, you a prisoner, you a bank robber. I mean, you, God can wipe it off your slate, but that don't mean you ever going to get out of jail. You know what I mean? So, 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 you know, yeah, you can be forgiven if you truly repent, but a lot of the effects, we get grace and God helps us overcome them and but a lot of them still go with us. That's what a reproach is. God forgets it, but people don't. So you, so you got to learn what language means. God forgets it, but people don't. But you can't allow that to affect your momentum. As long as God forgets it and forgives you, you got to live like it never happened. And you'll do more than you ever would have done anyway. See? So what I want you to learn, the only thing that saved David's life and legacy that Jesus could even come through his lineage was because his heart was to please the Father, even to the point of death. You know, he had no problem going out and fighting Goliath, did he? Why did he have no problem? Because he already offered up his life for his father's sheep. He killed a bear with his bare hands to protect his father's sheep. I probably would have said, hey, there's 20. If you need more, call me bear. You can have them too. Because daddy wants his son home more than he wants those sheep, right? But no, David fought and killed him with his bare hands. Then a lion came. He fought and killed the lion with his bare hands. Think about this, the power of this now. His father gets him and sends him up. He hadn't told anybody this. His father gets him and sends him up to the front lines. And there's the giant Goliath taunting Israel. And his brothers are like, what are you up here doing now, little David? You up here just cause trouble, make fun of us. Cause the, the, he's like, why are you letting them talk to you like that? He's calling you all cowards. He's cursing our God. And man, David's getting mad. He's like, why was he mad? He was mad because he's in covenant with God. And this, this infidel was coming against God and, and God's kingdom and God's people. So then he said, oh, somebody needs to do this? Hey, I'll do this. What, that little guy over there? Davy, what are you doing? You're the littlest guy. What are you? I got this. Bring him before King Saul. King Saul was afraid too. He'd let anybody fight. He didn't care. He's, then he looked and kind of felt bad and said, you sure? I don't know, son. How about trying my armor? Because Saul was the tallest guy in the land and the biggest. And, and he puts it on and David's like, I, I don't need that. But we're getting ready to close with this. We're going to pray for you. But think about it. What did David do? You see, in his private time, because his focus was so on God and the anointing that God put on his life through Samuel the prophet that he was so in tune with God that he built his faith to kill a lion and a bear with his bare hands and he was faithful to keep his father's sheep and all that. So now in the public eye, he was so passionate about God and his love for the father and all of that and his kingdom that he was so angry that he had the emotion, I can kill that giant, or I'll die trying. Why? He was David, you can't kill a dead man. David was already dead. He already coveted with God, I will die for you. I am your man. And so therefore, he had the approach, I don't need Saul's armor, because when I was out there worshiping and honoring my father, I learned a little trick. And I learned a little trick with my slingshot. And if I can, if I can, you know, knock a bear out long enough to get my bare hands on it and cut his throat, I can take care of that giant. I don't need Saul. I don't need your strategy. I got a strategy from the Lord. But if I didn't practice the strategy, it wouldn't work. What did he do? He went out, killed the giant with one stone. Why? Because he was already dead. He already offered his life up for sheep. What was the big deal to offer his life up for God's nation? See, your standards are set in your heart. For your children, your family, your parents, your siblings, your nation, your, your, your community. And the key is, what are you doing with that? 
What are you doing with that? Why did God put you on this planet in this time? You could have been here any other time, any other season, but you're here now. Why did God put you in this crazy church? Sitting here, standing, count three, stand up and say, Jesus. I mean, come on. What do you think? You probably, that would be the last time I'd be here. Well, good. Go down to the next church. You can get a good long nap in probably. But anyway, not the next church, but a church somewhere. I don't know what they do in the next church. Listen. What do you really want? I want the anointing. Oh, brother. What kind of anointing? The anointing to pray, intercede, the anointing to do signs and wonders, the anointing to save the lost, the anointing to get wealth for the kingdom. I don't know. What kind of anointing? Well, it's probably got something to do with what you love and you hate. Because if you can find out what you love and you can hate, and then you find out the anointing it takes to overcome that, that gives you the passion, the leverage, and then you know what you want. That's And you back it up from what you want. If I want to get to Cincinnati by 2 o'clock today and I get on 75 and there's an accident or something that's backed up, I got to reroute, change my strategy, my pattern. My goal is not to just go to Cincinnati and, wow, traffic jam, I got to go home. My goal is to go to Cincinnati, to arrive there. My goal is not the trip, it's the destination. So if I got to reroute three times to get there, I want my outcome of Cincinnati. If you want your outcome to be debt-free, financially free and sovereign, where you can finance the kingdom, finance broken, hurting people, finance your family for two or three generations, then you need to make a decision for that. If your outcome is, I want to walk in healing and strength and energy, then you got to put a strategy together, a story together, and get your faith where it needs to be so you can start making decisions. And because you know, ultimately, you want to be strong and vital with full of energy to do amazing things for God and for people you love and for others. So what do you do? You put all that together. You've got to decide what you really want because when the pressure comes, when the pressure comes, you don't have time to be all selective about your strategies and all that. You got to do it in your quiet time. David did it when he was with, with his daddy's sheep. God honored him with his sheep. David protected his father's little farm and his little wealth, and God gave David nations of wealth. So you want your reward? I'm going to just keep mine and not go bankrupt and have enough to get $1,500 a month just so I can eat and get my medicine so I can... Then you can have that. That's your standard. Or I just want to have enough to go on vacation once a year, and if I can get 50000 a year to retire, that's a, then that's what you'll have. That's your standard. So you might want to rethink what your standard is. Well, you know, I just want to be healthy and see my kids married and off and see my grandkids. Well, then that might be about what you see. See, see what do you really want? And you can take tragedy in your life and turn it into triumph over and over and over. You can take the tragedies you have and model for others how you've been victorious even through a heartbreaking tragedy. And others will either avoid it or come through it quicker and maybe they would have never come through it. But you're going to save lives by modeling how to walk through pain and suffering and be the best at it that anyone could ever be and be so fired up that people go, wow. They're more happy than me, and I didn't have a tragedy like that. And then they want to know what you have to say about God. They want to know what you have to say about holiness and faith and giving and serving and loving others. Let's stand. I want you to decide now, as you've kind of been thinking, what do you really want? What do you really want? And then what's it going to take? There's certain things I want that I got to have health, energy, clarity, strength. Or I can't have these other things that God's already even equipped me for. So you got to think of the five, six, seven things that you got to do that you want to accomplish. And then you got to look different strategies for each one. And the Holy Spirit will help you. There's people you can model, you can learn from. But you got to want it bad enough. It couldn't be, it's got to stop being a should or a could. It's got to be a must. Those three beliefs is all you need. 
act on. Just bow your heads and right now I just want to pray for you that clarity comes and maybe clarity's already come to you that, that now strategies start to come and you start to find strategies and, and equip you with the faith you need and all that. So Father, I just thank you for everyone right now under the sound of my voice that every person here is significant to you. Every person under the sound of my voice is significant to you. You made them for such a time as this. Every one of us have the answers we need setting inside of us. Every one of us have the resources we need right here inside of us. Help us to be clear on what we really want, Father. Help us to use the resources to be resourceful with what you've given us to do this with. God, I just speak strength and might in their lives. Stir up faith in their life, God, right now. I just speak that you would challenge them, God, in love and encourage them to let them know how powerful and how loving and how giving you are. God, we come against sickness and disease and poverty and and, and, and lying spirits and disunity. We come against all that now, and we speak life, healing, hope, love for eternity in Jesus' mighty name.